Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast. This is episode 459 for the third of Adar in a regular year. Today's episode is entitled Stay in Your Lane. And this topic of staying in your lane is something which really speaks to me in a very deep way. And in a certain sense, I feel like kind of sums up the entire Tanya and what the entire Tanya is coming to teach us. So the analogy that comes to mind for me, but I'm sure there are many other analogies that a person can think of in terms of staying in your lane, is my yoga practice. So every morning I go to a studio and I practice yoga with a bunch of other people. And what's interesting about my yoga practice is that it's a very individualized practice. So even though we're in a room with many different people, every person on the mat, this particular style of yoga that I do is doing their own very individualized practice, working on very different things. And what you begin to notice is that different people are weak in different areas and strong in different areas. So I always say that it's a very empowering practice, but it's also a very humbling practice because regardless of how advanced you get, you're always going to be struggling in certain areas and certain areas, and you just become so attuned to your body and you just find out what areas are really, um, are really going to be challenging for you, maybe for your entire life. So I happened to overhear just this morning, one of the students talking to the teacher about how every time she tries to do her back bends, her lower back just really is so resistant and it's just really, really tight. And the teacher was kind of giving her different exercises to try to open up her back. But she kind of just said, you know, like this might be something that you're going to struggle with for your entire life. For me, Bar Hashem, my back bends are not the most challenging area for me, but I have other areas of challenge. My twists are really difficult for me. There's certain hip opening poses that are just really, you know, difficult. I see other people getting into them with extreme ease. And for me, it just, after years of practice, there's very little movement. And so you really start to realize that we all have weaknesses and we all have strengths. What this mentality really ultimately leads to is another very profound message that we're going to be also addressing in the beginning of of the episode today, this precept that's taught uh, that we all are meant to be feel humble before every person. What this means, how is it that you can feel humble before every person? I mean, what if you have a PhD and you see somebody who hasn't even gone to high school or dropped out of high school and they're the same age as you and same socioeconomic background as you? How do you feel humble before that person? Well, there are many ways you can feel humble before that person because when you recognize this idea that we all have weaknesses and we all have strengths too, and those weaknesses and those strengths are just 
they're really inborn, a lot of these things. And we don't know other people's struggles. Something that might come easily to us uh, doesn't necessarily come easily to someone else. And for that other person, maybe something comes easily to them that you really struggle with a lot. We all have things that we need to work on. We all have struggles that we have to go through. So when we recognize this, it can shift the focus away from judging other people, which many of us are so apt, unfortunately, to do, and to shift it back onto ourselves. And to have this mentality of really judging other people favorably so that if you see somebody doing something that you would not do, that you kind of frown upon, that goes against your morals, that goes against your values, instead of judging them, you can take a moment and take a step back and say, you know what? I don't know what their struggles are. And where that for me would not be something I would do because it's easy for me to, you know, be punctual, let's say, or it's easy for me to not um, cheat or to not, to not get angry or whatever it is that you notice someone else doing, you can, you can practice, um, not judging them because you can recognize the facts that they don't have the same struggles that you do. Now, the thing is though, when we flip this around, a person might then use this mentality and say, okay, so if we're in this like non-judgmental, uh, space of just like accepting people, judging people favorably or whatever, maybe we can say that applies to ourselves as well. So maybe we can say that like, you know, like if I'm just judging all these people favorably, maybe I should do the same thing for myself. If I mess up, oh, well, I got a lot of struggles. It's hard for me. You know, of course I'm going to mess up. So the ultra is going to teach us that no, we are not victims of our circumstances. And as much as it's not our job to judge other people and we have to really remain humble before other people and, and understand that there are things that we can learn from everybody else. When it comes to ourselves, that's where the time comes to be harsh and to actually really judge ourselves very um, strictly and to and to try to push ourselves beyond our boundaries, beyond our challenges. Just because you're not so good at backbends naturally, it doesn't mean you skip your backbends. It means you actually work on your backbends a lot more and a lot longer than other people would. So that's that's kind of how it works. And then bringing this all together, what this really leads to is this idea of staying in your lane, that you realize that other people's struggles are not your business. The only thing that you can work on is your own struggles. And even if you are uh, you know, really like succeeding in your backbends, let's say, you know, to use that analogy or whatever it is in all your midos in your life, you know, you're being nice to people, you're not cheating, you're not stealing, you're keeping Shabbos, all those things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that now you have this perfect practice. It means that now you need to push yourself to the next level. Now you need to work on even more things. You need to really exert yourself more in prayer when we're talking about spiritual service. Learn extra, learn more than you need to, give more stucca than you're used to giving. Really push yourself. So really, really stay in your lane. And so that's, that's the whole idea of, you know, again, with the analogy of the yoga practice, when I go to practice my yoga, I'm there, I'm on my mat. I'm not, you know, here and there, maybe out of the corner of my eye, I'll notice other people practicing, but that's not my concern. I always need to bring it back to me. What this really reminds me of is years ago, before I was practicing this particular style of yoga, I used to practice power yoga at a certain studio. And there was a girl there who really, I just loved watching her practice because she was the most advanced person in the entire class. But the thing about her is she always pushed herself. And every time I would look over at her mat, she was not, even though she was able to do things with ease, the way that everybody else, the, the, you know, whatever it was that we were supposed to do in class, she was just like, 
like getting into it so easily and um, effortlessly, she didn't stop there. She would push herself to get to the next level. She always had this like very strong look of intensity on her face. And every time over the years that I saw her practice, she would advance further and further and further and further beyond her bounds, beyond uh, her natural limitations. And it was a really amazing thing to watch. And it was a really profound lesson for me to to how to try to incorporate that mentality as well to never be complacent to constantly work on myself and just because it looks like i'm doing better than my neighbor in whatever way first of all you might be doing better than your neighbor in that particular way but there are guaranteed there are going to be things that your neighbor is doing that are way better than you are you don't know what their struggles are you don't know what kind of tests they've gone through and if you'd surpass the the tests if the tests that they have to go through in their lives if you were put under that, that challenge. So it's really none of your business. And you, um, so what you need to do is you need to focus on yourself and you need to focus on really pushing yourself, staying in your lane. So that's the topic of today. And for context, we're going to be learning a new chapter, beginning a new chapter. This is chapter 30 of Ligotia Marm. So let's get straight into it and see how the Alter Rebbe explains all of this. So the Alter Rebbe begins and he says that in addition to everything we've been learning previously about, uh, Again, our, our negative tendencies and really not thinking of ourselves as a tzaddik and all those things. A person should really implant it into their heart to fulfill that which the sages taught, that you should be humble of spirit before every man. So this is a verse taken from Perkei Avos, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. In Hebrew, it's, So again, be lowly of spirit, humble of spirit in front of every person. And the altar says that in truth, this really means in the face of every single person, even the lightest of the light, the simplest kind of people. And then the altar brings another citation from Pirkei Alvis, this time from chapter two, verse four, where it says, that you should not judge your fellow until you reach their place. So it's this is this is a very popular saying, even not in Jewish circles, that don't judge a man until you've walked a mile in their shoes or whatever. And and then the ultra explains this and and he takes this even deeper. He says where it says, let's look at it again a little bit more uh, detailed. Literally, do not judge your fellow until you reach their place. So why their place? What does that mean? Their place? And the ultra says it's because it's specifically their place that's causing them to sin. So. It's like if a per, if a person is sitting at home all day long and they have the luxury of working for themselves, let's say, thank God I work for myself. So it's, I don't have to interact with so many people. I don't have to be out there in the world so much. So it's easy for somebody who works for themselves, who's kind of isolated in their own little space and they have the luxury to, let's say, learn Torah all day or whatever, be isolated from the world to not fall into sin. But then when they look at somebody else who's out there in the world, then, okay, yeah, because this person, what do you expect of them? They are walking around the marketplace all day, and this is what they need to do to get a living. They have to be out there in the world. So the Alter Rebbe is saying that, yeah, this this is the, your fellow that we're talking about here, somebody who has to, in order to make a parnasa, in order to make a livelihood, they have to go out into the marketplace all day long, and they have to become one of these people that sit on the corner, and they're seeing all kinds of different pleasures and all kinds of different temptations. And when the eye sees, then this causes the heart to desire. And this causes their impulses to to burn like a very strong furnace, like a baker's fiery oven 
the ultra explains it as. And then he cites Hosea, the prophet Hosea, which is in chapter 4, verses 4 and 6, where it says, So it burns like a flaming fire. So basically he's saying, it's very natural for somebody who's sitting all day long and they're exposed to all kinds of temptations of the world. Of course, this is going to lead them to have these desires be ignited within them. And this is not the case, says the altar, but with somebody who only goes into the marketplace once in a while. And most of the day, he's actually just sitting at home. And even if he does go out to the marketplace sometimes, it could be. So you could say, what do you mean? I do. I have a job. I go out to work. Let's say you are one of those people who's out there in the world a lot. It could be that just your nature is that you're not as heated. So Hashem created people very differently with different natures and with different levels of desire for different things. So just because you are the type of person that when you're exposed to different temptations, they don't tempt you in the same way as somebody else. This doesn't mean you're better than the other person. It just means that Hashem may have created you without such a heated nature. Because the Itzahara is different in for every person. There's one person that their impulses are going to be a certain way, and there's another person that their impulses is going to be another way, as is written about elsewhere. So where is this elsewhere? So uh, I check the footnote. The footnote is uh, Likute Torah, which is another safer written by the Alter Rebbe uh, for the Parsha of Vayikra, page 2b, if anybody's curious to look that up. Now, the Alter Rebbe goes on to tell us that even a person who is more heated by nature, who is a more passionate type of person by nature, and does have, uh, and, and their parnasa, their, their job, does involve them sitting on the street corner, like being out in the world all day long, there's no excuse for this person's sin. So, uh, and they're called a complete Rasha. So it's like somebody might be, you know, uh, reading the previous part of what we've been learning about of not judging anybody, you know, judging people favorably, realizing that everybody has different struggles and they might erroneously apply this to themselves and think like, well, you know, like I'm a person who's out there in the world and I'm very passionate by nature. So what do you expect? You know, and, uh, and the altar over here is saying, no, that's not, we're not making excuses for people here. We're not saying that like, if you are out for a person who is more passionate by nature and does work, um, you know, out in the world, uh, that they, um, that they can just do whatever they want and that they're not, uh, that they're not liable for what they do. This type of person is still called a total Russia who the fear of heaven is not uh, in front of his eyes because he should still, he still has the responsibility to, uh, to control himself, to, to hold back and control over his, his tivus, over his desires that are in his heart uh, due to the fear of God, who's, that God sees everything. Um, as we explained above, the mind naturally rules over the heart. So this person does have agency. So just because, you know, like when we look at another person and we see this person who's, uh, you know, out in the world and they're doing things that we might not do, then yeah, it's it's not our place to look down on them or anything like that. When it comes to ourselves, we don't we should not have the same standards. We should not let ourselves off the hook. We should still real recognize the fact that we have agency. And the truth is, everybody has agency, and everybody Hashem will deal with them the way that he needs to deal with them and everybody has their own personal struggles that's that has to do with them and God but that's not our business our business is ourselves and we have to recognize that we have agency and we have a responsibility to overcome our passions regardless of our nature regardless of our circumstances now it's true that to break your inclination which burns like a fiery flame 
out of its fear of God uh, is not a simple matter. This is a great war, and it's really considered to be like a real test, a proper test. So he's, he, again, he's affirming the fact that this, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a test. And thus, every person should, according to their their place and according to their level in serving God, to really balance out and to really examine within themselves if they are really serving God in a way that is in, in a way of war is is it are they really at are they really pushing themselves are they really working is it an intense war in this way and in this type of of test are they really testing themselves and challenging themselves on the level that they should be so the ultra rare says that when it comes to for example a set of like the positive commandments like more proactive things that we need to do as jews so this has to do with let's say praying with intention and pouring out our souls before God with all of our heart and with all of our might? Like, are we really putting our full self into our prayers when we pray to the point of wringing out your soul? Like, it's, like when we when we say uh, the service, when we talk about serving God, the avoda, really, this is talking about prayer. So it's avoda, the word for avoda means work. So prayer really should be work. It's not something that we just like blah, 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 mumble our prayers. Like how, how many times do we tend to do that? We just mumble through our prayers. It's supposed to be hard work. It's supposed to be a real practice and a discipline and a service war, really, where we're really wringing out our souls to God. To, and it's a fight. It should be a fight with our bodies and with our animal souls, which are preventing us from having this intention with a really strong, intense war. And we should be crushing them and grinding them like like dirt before prayer, before when we're whether we're praying in the morning, shachris, or in the evening, arvis, every single day. And so too, at the time of prayer, so not only before prayer, but at the time in, so before prayer, we should really humble ourselves in this way and like break down our, uh, our, our bodies and our animal souls. And so too, during prayer itself, we need to be striving with this very intense striving of our souls and with a striving of the flesh, as will be explained further along at length. So he's going to, so the altar is giving us a little prelude saying that we're going to learn about this a little bit more in detail later on. So that's the end of this section. And so again, just to recap what the ultra but basically the message he's giving us here is that we should constantly be fighting. We should constantly be challenging ourselves. Uh, we should constantly be pushing ourselves and we should never be complacent. So just like, again, to bring it back to my analogy of my fellow student in this yoga class, she could have just smooth sailing. She's way better than everybody else in the class. But no, what was really impressive about her and what really anybody who has any kind of discipline and here we're talking about the discipline of serving God needs to recognize is that you can never be complacent and you need to constantly push yourself. You need to constantly challenge yourself. And specifically the altar of a focused on the service. What is the discipline of a Jew is the service of prayer. And that in the service of prayer, what this means is really, really, really breaking your animal soul, breaking your body and pouring out your soul to God. Like really wringing yourself out in front of God. So in brief, your struggle is not my struggle. My struggle is not your struggle. We all have struggles. And the point is that we should all be struggling and that we should really, really focus on ourselves. So again, to bring it back to my fellow yogi in the class, she could have been looking around the room and looking at everybody else and being like, oh, wow, I'm way better than these people here, such losers. I just, uh, I don't have to work on anything. But instead, she was so hyper-focused on her own practice. I don't think I ever noticed her looking at anybody else's mat. Meanwhile, 
while I was looking at her mat, I'm sure I was looking at other people's mats, but that's another story. But like the point is really we are supposed to be in our own practice. We're supposed to be in our own service and we're supposed to be waging war inside of ourselves and not be concerned with other people. And once again, to stay in our own lane, to fight in our own lane. So that is it for today and we will continue tomorrow. I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.